What's up, guys? Welcome back to the circus that we call the Certified Wrench Podcast. Now, is it the podcast that's the circus, or is it my personal life? I kind of learned my lesson uh, making fun of people. Uh, My work wife, Steve, broke his truck. He broke a leaf spring, so he was truckless for a while. Of course, we all made fun of him. And then what do I do? I go and break two leaf springs, just overloads, but my truck was like driving a fish down the road. Uh, So I had to get it fixed. I was truckless through the week and what a pain in my ass. So if you learn anything, don't make fun of people because karma's going to bite you in the ass. Before we get into today's episode, make sure you uh, head over to whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on and uh, like, subscribe, rate and review. Help a brother out. We got our first one-star review on Apple. Proud of it. Just going to make me work that much harder. So fuck you. Um, Merch line's out there. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into it. Um, As far as today's episode, had a guest on. uh, Pretty pumped to get him on. It was fun to talk to him. We did a lot of bitching and moaning about a company we used to work for. Completely separate states, but we work for the same company. I'm sure you can figure it out. Um really fun conversation you know tools boots toxic employees you name it we talk about it uh a lot of ranting (laughs) i don't know it was fun i had a good time anyway let's get to it enjoy the show and i guess i should tell you this before we get into it i'm your host colton mccormack since i forgot to say it at the beginning boom so let's get into it i guess right uh why don't you start off by introducing yourself we're gonna try to make a really good episode because the last episode i bitched before so i'm gonna try to keep this positive who are you uh my name is zach ranker um i'm a fleet technician with an energy company in south dakota um are you nervous? a little bit uh back what was that are you nervous no, no, I'm not. <laughs> good because you kind of you're like, uh, mm, uh, no need to be nervous. Yeah. No, not nervous. <laughs> fun, fun fact: uh, my dad was a news director. Oh, and and uh, I got put on TV way too much as a kid. So <laughs> awesome! I'm not. You, <laughs> is, can we find these clips? Um, maybe there's a Christmas store like deal. Somewhere on the internet, I bet, but it's down in Alabama, so I I don't know if you're gonna find it. <laughs> it was like ninety. It'd probably been like ninety six. No, ninety four. Probably ninety four. But it was just some local, you know, holiday deal. <laughs> I was gonna say I can put it on the <laughs> shout out. Uh oh, you cut out for a second. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, kind of give some background uh, how you got started in the industry and what you're doing now with this energy company. Yeah, so uh, I actually started out in automotive, just changing oil at a tire shop and tire suspension, 
alignments, worked my way up the ladder there. Uh, ended up becoming the temporary store manager, I guess. It, then I decided that I really liked turning wrenches, but I wasn't making any money. And so I, I wanted to get into the diesel side of things. And so I went to tech school and got my diesel technology degree. And uh, I ended up leaving the national company that I worked for in the automotive space and went to a local garbage company. And I worked as a oil change maintenance type position, but also was a welder for them. So we remanufactured all our own dumpsters. So like they'd get damaged, rot out or whatever. And then we had a weld shop. And so I spent half my time working on the fleet and the other half working in the weld shop. I uh, did that for about a year. And then I moved to a major truck fleet, nationwide truck fleet. Um, and that would have been my second year of tech school. So I was working night shift for that fleet and then going to school during the day. Um, graduated, ended up relocating to Raleigh, North Carolina and switched over to working for, uh, Freightliner Western Star dealership in Raleigh. And that's when... I started progressing as a technician, I guess. Um, I had a lot of mentors there. Even though we were a young shop, I had a lot of guys that invested time and things and helped me progress my career. Plus, that company really allowed me to do anything that I wanted. So I did all that kind of stuff. I hate Wi-Fi. Like, before we were hitting, before we hit record, it was good. And like yeah. every once in a while, it like drops out. I'm like, you bastard! And everybody complains <laughs> about recording. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, anyway, so they sent me training. I went to all my in-person training. I Freightliner called it expert certified in their schools or whatever. Did all that, ended up changes, wife's company changed. We moved to Missouri, worked at a Freightliner dealer. Western, they weren't a Western Star, they were just Freightliner. Uh, dealer in Missouri for a little bit. And then I switched over to equipment uh, for an up and coming rental company slash dealership. Uh, they, they bought the Takuchi compact equipment and so I mostly worked on talk uh, for that amount of time. And then I ended up moving back to South Dakota. And we, when we moved back, I took a job with the deer dealership <laughs> on the construction side. Did you almost say it um, like I, al- I almost always <laughs> say it? No, no, no. I've listened to enough episodes to know that that's uh, those... Uh, those names aren't appreciated. Um, the uh, we actually had a conversation, me and you, via DM about Probably. whether uh, whether I should go there or not. Um, and 
I don't want to say anything bad about that place. They did everything they ever promised me. They took care of me. Um, the only reason I left is because I was presented an opportunity to move into my current position, um, which put me at, uh, I don't know, do you want to talk about like, so like I left to go make tech for pay. Okay. So that that's, I moved from, I almost said it there, uh, dear, uh, <laughs> to my current company in the energy uh, production space, I guess is what we call it. Um, basically, jump my pay by ten years. Wow! And you so, were fairly um, new at that time, or how many years did you have at that point? So I'm at like. 2012 is when I went to tech school. So, I, so yeah, 2011 is when I started turning wrenches. So, we're at like 12 years. No, I meant like when you jumped over to your uh, energy company. So I'm I like, was with Deer for a year. And how long and have I'm you been with the energy company now? Three months. Oh, shit. That, that quick. Yeah. Yeah, no, like it was, it was one of those opportunities where it doesn't come available very much, very often. Like, yeah, people, it's it's union. Um, I'm a union member, um, but we're we have four four guys at our shop currently, and they're we got everything from you know gas generators to deer mini X and skids. And then we got Vermeer, uh, horizontal drilling equipment. We got boring machines, um, and different, uh, different parts of the company have different equipment. Like, uh, power plants got our power plant in town has an eight forty four K, you know, I don't see it because it's for part of a different, part of our company so it's just one of those things where it's a it's an interesting shift come like working my entire career in a non-union shop and then moving over to a union shop um it's different i mean there's there's an adjustment you know you can't do this you can't do that there's there's rules you know and you have to take a lunch <laughs> bitch <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, like, I don't know. Like, the pay, like, it, I was well paid at. Oops, name drop. Oh, you just said it. I got to <laughs> block it out. Good job. <laughs> it's okay. It happens all the time. I just got to. Uh, uh, I knew I was going to. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. Luckily, we're early enough but, into it. I can fix it. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Good job. Sorry, I'm making I'm making notes to edit that out. That's okay though. It happens. Yeah. And sometimes names get slipped all the time. It's it's whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I, like I said, at the deer dealer, I was paid pretty good compared with like I don't know what it is about the truck world compared to the construction 
the truck world is so far behind on pay compared compared to construction dealers. You know, I was I was making twenty six bucks an hour at in North Carolina. You know, five years into my career, or whatever it was, hmm. six years, and then moved to Missouri, and you worked for a different dealer, and you have a manager come out and tell you, "Hey, I wish I would have hired you for less money," and he hired me for the exact amount of money that I was making in North Carolina. Why would he say that? So, because every time, like, I went two years without a raise. Like, I was the highest. I'm assuming the highest paid technician in the shop. But did you suck or something? No. No, literally, I started that day. I walked in, rolled my toolbox in, started that fall. That was on a Friday. That starting Monday, I came in, and I swung an engine in a garbage truck my first week and beat time. Like, I was like, I walked in with every Freightliner certification that you could have and bumped their hourly rate $12 just because I had so many certifications. I wish I would have hired you for less because <laughs> you're doing such a good job. Yeah. And so, like, that, like, I don't know. Like, I looked at him and I just kind of said, okay, that's, that's a great conversation to have, I guess. You know, that was two years, you know, down the line of working there and never seeing a raise. Hmm. And so, I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. There wasn't really anywhere for me to go. I could have gone to a different truck shop or anything like that, but you get burned out at, at truck shops. Cause you let's talk about that word. Let's talk about that word burnout. Cause I know the you burnout. hate it. You hate it. <laughs> Why do you hate, I hate it? Burnout. I hate the word burnout. It, just so why I hate burnout is because it it when you say it somebody might take it as you hate your job I don't hate what I actually do every day working on trucks working on equipment you know problem solving repairing stuff troubleshooting I don't hate any of that it's all the other aspects of the job dealing with your parts people dealing with your sales people dealing with <laughs> Sorry, I choked on my fucking water. I'm good. I'm good. Ah, thank God for mic muting. Jesus Christ, I fucking inhaled my water. Oh. <laughs> it's it's the aspects outside of actually turning a wrench that people get burned out with. In my opinion, that's how I feel about it. And I. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know because you you get put in a bad mood, or you're you don't really agree with because of what your your employment status is, the people that you work with, whatever. And then it makes you have a hard time completing your job because all you're doing is annoyed with the outside aspects of your job, not the actual task at hand. Yeah, and so I mean. That's why I hate burnout because it insinuates that you hate what you're doing. And it's not that you hate what you're doing. It's just. I wouldn't say necessarily. Uh, I use it as uh, I need a fucking vacation type word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm tired. Burned out. 
yeah, tired, I, exhausted. It's all the same to me. Yeah, I mean, the my biggest issue as far as when I'm starting to get burned out and wore down is because I'm in an environment that fosters the toxic mindset. Mm-hmm. You got a guy that's just... It doesn't matter what's going on in his life. He could want a million dollars. He could, you know, beautiful family, nice house, whatever. And he's just in a crap mood all the time. And he just wants to spew that crap through a shop and just can't be, can't, just can't enjoy the moment, what he's got going on. You know, he just is in a bad ass, bad attitude. And it just, it gets to the point where you don't even want to work next to the guy. Yes, I agree completely. Uh, that's another version, in my opinion. Yeah, there's all there's multiple. There, I'm sure there's other words too for this, you know, burnout. But that's the easiest word I've come up with for, you know, uh, I just took a two week vacation from work because I had a kid, and I don't know if it helped. Because <laughs> I, I was, I, I took a month off when my daughter was born. Did it help? And it, it was awesome. Like, it was great. It was like we had planned ahead for it. So we had saved up money to cover, you know, any expenses outside of what my PTO would cover. And I took a month off and it was awesome. Uh, I got to help my wife, to, you know, deal with it was our first kid. We had a lot going on. We knew parents. And so we were able to figure out how to work as a team in this new situation, which introducing kids into wrenching like being a mechanic and then having a kid sometimes it kind of complicates things you know some shops don't value their employees enough to give them the flexibility and schedule that they need mm-hmm. and so it's it's kind of cool is every shop that I've worked at has been very family mindset oriented and given that flexibility and so i mean that helps create a culture that people want to be involved with and then you have guys you know showing up doing their job because they gotta they actually care like you're fostering people to be loyal to you as a manager as a company by taking care of them And for a long time, companies didn't take care of their employees. And so it's, yeah, it's cool to see the shift industry wise, you know, whether it's mechanics or I, I got buddies that are plumbers, electricians, and all these smaller companies are starting to blow up because they put a priority on taking care of their guys. I think that's really cool. So, uh, I kind of want to talk about, um, you went to, what kind of schooling did you go for? Did you go to trade school? Uh, Yeah, I went to a tech school. I have a degree in diesel technology. So did you, is that, was that a program? Uh, what's the best way to put this? Is that something that you wanted to go into or did you get like a, uh, somebody that paid for it, like a company that paid for it for you or? No, I foot the bill myself. I have an associate's degree. Um, okay. I I decided because so 
I didn't have any experience in it whatsoever, you know, uh, diesel or anything like that. Um, I just knew that I would make more money than staying on the automotive side. And things were a little bit bigger. I'm a big guy. <laughs> you know, it's easier for me to fit in to a, in between a tire on a semi and next to an engine than it is working on a Kia. <laughs> so it was just a natural progression for me. Um, I don't Do I think trade school is the route for everybody? No, I don't. I, I've had a couple of interns that they, they need to go to trade school because they are greener than green. They need somebody to teach them the basics and hold their hands and walk them through it. But I've also had interns that grew up fixing tractors their entire life with their dad and their grandpa and could work circles around guys that are in the shop as full technicians. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's whatever you feel. I, I always recommend doing what you think is going to allow you to be the most successful. And at the time going through tech school, I think was the best way to get my foot in the door. It gave me that piece of paper to get that next job. Um, but it was 20 grand. That's, you know. that's not terrible. I was expecting more as just a two year program, obviously. Yeah, it was just a two year program. It was like 20 grand. And then I think I spent like eight or nine grand in the two years on tools. Okay. Because we had student discounts. So I, I would order tool. I ordered a big set right away. And then I, would order thing as I was working in the shop next to guys, seeing what they use, you know, I would order what I thought would fill out my set and give me what I needed. The best bang for my buck, I guess. So for you youngins wanting to get into this, that listen to this podcast, listen to exactly what he just said. (laughs) Don't go fucking just buying (laughs) random shit. Kind of see what these guys are using. And then go buy it. You know, you might not use it all the time, but it's there when you need it. Might be a little expensive for certain things, but you need it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, the biggest thing about tools, what is the, I I love tools. I could talk tools all day. I know you're not a huge fan of tools. I kind of want to talk tools. (laughs) <laughs> Let's give it to him. But anyway. uh, I mean, we can talk tools. That's not a problem. Uh, I my problem is you get that kid that's first year tech student. He's got a internship with whatever company you're at, and he's jumping on the truck, and he's already four or five grand in debt, and he hasn't even graduated. He doesn't even know if he's going to stick in the field. Like that drives me up the wall. Like. Got that Dodge with twenty four inch rims that are <laughs> wide, and then can't buy a fucking impact yeah. gun yeah like i just like i don't see the point in dropping that amount of money in your first year when i started out i worked out of a harbor freight like that black tool cart that like 150 dollar tool cart I got, I, that i got I one of my garage pittsburgh, <laughs> <laughs> pittsburgh sockets i had craftsman ratchets 
SNK stuff left over for my grandfather and my dad, you know, piecemealed together. And, you know, it got me through. I started making money and I, I realized that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And I had a very minimal investment up front to figure that out. And that's the one thing, whenever I'm talking to somebody that's thinking about jumping in this industry and turning wrenches, whether it be automotive, equipment, heavy truck, or whatever, I was like, just go try it. Go find you a job that they're going to let you try it for a summer and see how you work in that situation before you jump into 10 grand mm-hmm. worth of debt. And I'm not saying anybody needs to buy a big toolbox. Like, I have a big toolbox, don't get me wrong, but I make bad financial decisions because yeah. I want it. I remember when I first started at the automotive shop and I went and bought a craftsman box. It was like a stackable. It had like the five or six drawer bottom that rolled and then a chest on top. I thought that was the coolest fucking shit. Yeah. And yeah. I, no, I, I still have a craftsman four drawer roll cab in my garage. It sits right next to my snap on cart. And like it, I have a problem with toolboxes. <laughs> I buy too many tools. Like, but I also buy a lot of tools. Like I'm, I'm to the point where if I'm buying the tool, it's either going to make my life easier or it's going to make me more efficient or it's especially tool. I'm getting into something that I'm going to see a decent amount of, but I'm tired of using the supplied tool. So I want my own. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, that's the fine line is, okay, here's a question for you. What do you think a shop should provide? Depends on where you're working, dealership or fleet like I do. Fleet. We're both fleet right now, so let's talk fleet. What should they provide? Uh, I think if we're we're going to go like software, I think they should provide the computer if we can, if they can. Um, Mm -hmm. Porter powers and stuff like that, you know, the big stuff. I have Porter Power, yeah. but I don't want to carry that motherfucker around in my service truck. So if I got to borrow yeah. it from the shop real quick, let's do that. Um, you know, high hydraulic torque wrench, all that stuff we have at the shop. I think that's perfect. Um, it just depends, man. I mean, one inch stuff, probably three quarter, possibly, because not all guys are going to have all that stuff. Um, but the, Everything else, it just depends, man. It honestly depends. Um, like at a dealership, we could talk dealership. Like I think they should provide quite a, obviously the specialty tools, even though I started buying yeah. my own because I was tired of it being gone when I tried to use it. Um, what else? Obviously software because they have to. Um, maybe some, some uh, like you worked at a deer dealer on the construction side. Did you ever get to play with IDSS? Oh, uh, no, but when I was at a Freightliner uh, in Missouri, we were the Azuzu dealers, so I got to mess with it on the on-road version. I never got to mess with the Oh, so like with version. Allison and all that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, you go through training at these D 
dealerships and they want to capstone you for the newer stuff, obviously, but they don't want to talk back to MP doctor, IDSS, any of that stuff and teach people how to use that. You just get thrown it and here you go. Try to figure it out. You got to learn how to flash this computer with all these stupid plugs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, like I, I mean, my experience at the deer dealer, they, we had field guys that didn't know how to run that stuff. Mm-hmm. And because they got put in a truck and, you know, you can go pretty long time without seeing that because it's not necessarily common in our area. And luckily you have a couple guys at the shop that they could call and be like, hey, how do I do this? Can you run me through it? You know, and, but like, that's definitely an aspect of being a field tech that, you know, you have to figure out on your own a lot of that stuff. You're not always going to be able to call somebody. Yeah, and, like, as a fleet guy, I think, you know, like, straps and chains and stuff, like heavy-duty chains, I think they should be provided. That's just my opinion. I don't like buying straps and stuff. Yeah, so, like, even when I was – every dealer I've been at, they've always provided – lifting straps, chains, all the rigging, everything. Not high. Not me. Some of it got inspected yearly. Some of it never got inspected. You never knew what you had. Um, But, you know, I pulled the counterweight off a Link Belt 160 with a 12K telehandler. That was kind of sketchy. (laughs) I, uh, so... (laughs) What if you're on your own? What tools should the company provide? I'm just kidding. Um, you're on your fucking own. Everything. Yeah. All of it. And then, so that's a good question too, though. Like, you know, I've thought about going out on my own before. It's like, so what kind of stuff should I buy? What kind of equipment am I going to try to work on? What kind of specialty tools do I need for, you know, this type of equipment to be ready, you know, and how big of a truck am I going to need to, to store all this shit? So that, that's a lot to think yeah. about. Yeah. I, the whole going on, I think every mechanic at some point has been like, you know what? I either want my own, my own shop or I want my own truck. And that is, that's a hard question. I think if you're going to buy your own truck, I think the seven fifties and down, I think you're probably the most, I don't know how to say this, um, like you're going to be able to get into more job sites. You're going to have better access, you know, you're not going to have to worry about it. But then you're severely limited on space. And so you're going to be, you know, revolving tools out, different jobs. Excuse me. Um, Different jobs you're going to have to plan ahead and then you might get into a situation where you didn't plan ahead right and you don't have what you need and then you got to make it happen. But then, you know, you get into these these guys running the the big Pete's and Kenworth tandem axle, you know, 14 foot bodies, you know, and they got everything under the sun. That, uh, that guy up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Industrial Ironworks, his new truck. Mm-hmm. That big yellow, I think it's a Kenworth. That thing's insane. But that guy does a lot of line boring and stuff like that. But he's got everything on his truck. Yeah. And I'd love to have a truck like that. <laughs> but 
I don't see that anytime in my future. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, fuck. Why am I brain farting on who it is? Uh, Kenny. KJ. Um, he's selling that tandem right now. $259,000. Yeah. I literally, my house on two acres, I paid 258000 for it. Do I want two mortgages? <laughs> Right? No, like seriously, it is insane. Like, uh, my I have a buddy that runs his own service truck out in the western side of South Dakota, and he worked in the oil field for a long time and saved up his money. You know, did it the right way, and he bought it. Uh, he went. He flew from. I think he was in Dubai at the time. I think he flew from Dubai to Oklahoma City and bought an old white Volvo sleeper cab service truck. Hmm. And he bought it before service trucks, like prices went crazy. I think he paid like 30 grand for it or something like that. And I had, it was a recently rebuilt cat motor in it. I think it had a reman transmission. Like the thing had a bunch of new parts on it and been gone all the way through and he stole it. And, like, I just kept watching prices of service trucks just keep climbing and climbing and climbing. You're like, okay. I don't know. I don't know if I could ever buy my own truck. And so then you kind of start looking at shop rent. And depending on your area, you're, you know, a couple grand a month mm-hmm. for shop rent. And so, I don't know. That's just <laughs> going on on your own is a. Is a big task. I, I applaud anybody that takes the, the risk and reaps the reward, that's for sure. Yeah. So let's jump back to tools a little bit. All right. We're going to swoop over. I'm sure everybody wants to know, Are do you drink the Kool-Aid? Yes. <laughs> uh, my whole house is Milwaukee, and my toolbox is Milwaukee, except I'm not huge on M12. I'm an 18 volt guy. Um, M12. I'd rather have snap on 14 foot. I, I was with you there for a minute, <laughs> but um, I swapped over from 14 volt to 12 volt, and I gotta say, I'm way happier. It's the form factor. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're bad tools. I have at the house. I have M12 everything. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to working on stuff, the form factor, the rocker trigger on the impacts, like I agree. it's just, I've had it since I started. It was one of the first tools that I ever bought. And it's, I'm probably going to die with it. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> just don't get the magnets I, uh, for the batteries because you'll leave them under something like I did. Like oh, a yeah. uh, I, I saw those battery mounts and I was like, oh, that's handy. And then I was like, no, I'm going to leave it under something. I'm going to stick it on something. I'm going to drive down the road and it's going to be gone forever. Cause I, I, got, um, I left my, or I almost left my new Milwaukee 12 volt light under up by a control valve yesterday. And I'm sitting there like, I made a video too. I'm like, this is why I don't like magnet lights or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I, uh, those, you remember those snap on like puck lights the oval mm-hmm, ones. Mm-hmm. I've lost like seven of those. <laughs> Cause I always would have them stuck up to a frame rail or something. And just, but yeah, I, uh, 
No, I the the Snap-on Milwaukee deal. I mean, I had Mac. I ran the Mac, the first generation of the Mac with the Dewalt battery, the very first generation. Yep. I ran the half a half inch and the three eighths, and they were great until I got a Milwaukee and it blew it out of the water. I but I literally still have like all of my Mac stuff in my drawer. I'm afraid to take it out and put all my Milwaukee <laughs> stuff in there. Like it's it's the stuff's my baby, you know, I've had it forever. It's been so good to me. Well that's the thing, it never let me down. Yeah. Like it it always worked. It just it didn't have as much power. And that was literally the only reason why I got switched out is my Cornwall guy at the time said, Hey, I'll give you, you know, a good trade in value on this if you want to jump into the Milwaukee stuff. And I was like, Okay, sure. You know, and I did that, but Jesus. I, I guess the next question I got, what do you carry on you every day for tools? Like a in nine mil. I'm just nine kidding. Mil. <laughs> in my pocket every day. Uh <laughs> That handy dandy pocket screwdriver and a sharpie and a pen. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And my brain. I'm just kidding. There you go. Uh, no, that's all I. That's all <laughs> I carry, man. I don't. Every once in a while, leave me a pair of uh, flush cut in my back pocket, but that's it. No, I. I'm a pocket player guy. The little tiny picks. The Dude, not the four I inch. thought you were gonna say not pocket pocket pool guy. <laughs> I thought it was coming. <laughs> like really? <laughs> no, the five inch, not the super tiny ones. The five inch, and I have the the pliers, and then I have the plier wrench. I carry those every day. Uh, and then a pocket pry bar, not a screwdriver, an actual pry bar. That's what I meant to say. Not one that, like, not even. Not the Snap-on or the Mac ones. Like this is a company. Uh, it's from the like tactical people on Instagram, you know. <laughs> and so it's a little bit wider, so it can pop those locking tabs easier. Um, but that I carry that uh, pin. I'm kind of picky about pins, so yeah, gel. I carry my own pin. I'm all about gel pins. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that's that's what's in my pockets every day. Plus two knives, regular knife, and then a razor knife. So, but that, so I had I I saw an interesting question on one of the diesel mechanics pages, mm-hmm. and the guy asked, "You had ten applicants for a position. You're not allowed to interview them. You can only ask to look at two items from their toolbox." What do you pick? Mm, two items. That's kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what, what What's the two items that you need to see to say that a guy is going to work out? See, now, if we were carpenters, like framing houses, I would know exactly what to look for. But with this, uh, that's a that's a tough one, man. That. Because what? How do you know which drawer to pick? Or <laughs> well, so the way I imagine the question is, you his box is just there, and you get to walk up and look through it. 
Oh, but you cannot okay. Communicate. I got you. So it's, I can check what every two, single box and see what's yep. going on. Mm. But what two tools are going to jump out that say this is going to be a good hand? Man, that's a, that's honestly I don't know because I've never been stuck with that question before. Because I've always in interviews talked to him about experience and stuff, and it's kind of chapped our asses a couple times. Uh, well, how about you? Go ahead and answer this because I want to know. Yeah, so I'm. I want to see their electrical drawer. Yeah, their diagnostic electrical drawer. That's the drawer that I'm interested in. I want to see what what type of meter they got. What quality? Like, like is it, you know. Tencent China Harbor. POS or, or if I'm not saying everybody should buy a fluke. I'm not saying that like you got to buy what's in your budget, but I want to see what that electrical drawer looks like. And then the second thing is I want to see what his work boots are. I didn't realize we were talking about that kind of tool. I was thinking like, Oh, well how many sockets does he have? Like, does he have- <laughs> 12 point, you know, three eighths, short and shallow, yeah. short and shallow, uh, deep and shallow and all this stuff. I'm like, well, th- I'm thinking about that. Like, are his chromies all wore the fuck out? <laughs> so that's what I was thinking. I didn't even think about boots or anything. Yeah. Like, let's think about it. We got one body, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to fall apart it someday. I want to see the guy that actually invests in a pair of quality foot, some quality footwear. Because he's, he, he's being conscious of his body. Because we're all going to age out at some point, right? So why wouldn't we get the best thing to provide the best support to do our job? And so it's just... Boots are one of them topics that are almost as bad as tools. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. Um, yeah. You know, but, I've, I've bought cheap and super expensive just to see. And sometimes the cheaper boots I've been happy with. You know what I mean? So... It's kind of tough to judge yeah. somebody off of that because I've I've gone with a hundred dollar pair of Ariats before, you know, and fucking great, but I kill them. And oh yeah, no, I, I've had six pair of Ariat Workhogs. Trust yeah. me, like they last seven months and then they're junk. Yeah. Um. But no, I just, you, I don't know. The guy shows up in a pair of Brahmas. I'm kind of going, what what's going on? <laughs> Either one isn't making enough money to afford good boots, or it just doesn't take care of mm-hmm. I, I don't know and I don't know everybody's financial situation so this is all subjective like he might turn out I might be a complete asshole for this you know but I just it was an interesting question and I, I just wanted to see what your perspective was on I don't I, I don't really like the two pick two things that would defy him or them or her. I, I said him. That's stupid because there's a lot of women in this industry. I don't really like the two things. I Because yeah. I'm an organization guy. All my shit's got to be organized. I like to see organization because, uh, you know, you don't want to be sitting there fumbling around and trying to find shit because I worked with a guy like that and I fucking hated it. Hated it. And I actually, because this guy's name was Andy, great fucking guy, super knowledgeable, smart, and all his shit was just scattered. And he's like, hey, can you grab me? The, I forget what it was. And I'm like, well, which drawer? He's like, oh, second drawer down. And I open this drawer. It's like wrenches, screwdrivers, 
you know, picks and just all kinds of random shit. And I'm like digging through trying to find it. And then, so I went to a customer that he was well known at and the guy saw my drawers when I opened them. He's like, well, this is a hell of a lot better than Andy's. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, I can't do that either. Oh. It's always stuck with me. Organization, you know, you know, sockets in a drawer on racks, uh, Wrenches can't are kind of hard to organize sometimes, especially in a service truck. So I have pockets, and I don't know if you've ever seen my truck tour on uh, YouTube. You know, I've got metric, yeah, metric standard, and then kind of like all the misfit stuff. You know, it's organized, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I have three wrench drawers in my box currently, <laughs> and yeah, I use the toolbox widget organizers those ones that are all magnetic and clipped together or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah i i i've never had to ro- swap my tools from my box into a service truck like mm-hmm. i i took a position as a field service technician for a company but as soon as i started the shop foreman said you're not going in a truck you're staying in the shop i would have so, said fuck I off mean, uh, that's how that went <laughs> that's the thing about those well, wrench eh, the shop was kind of nice yeah well the 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 thing about like the wrench organizers and stuff they take up a lot of freaking space and you can't sometimes yeah. on a truck especially like mine it's smaller i'm limited on space so the wrenches just go in a big cubby Yeah, no, like uh, that's what I mean. Like I, I got a road box, and you gotta like pick and choose how you set that road box up to get everything you need in for that job. Mm-hmm. And so I can only like space is always going to be crucial in a service truck versus you know being able to just oh I'll just buy another toolbox and throw it in that you know. And so I don't know the uh, but. So organization. Go on. Sorry, trying to interrupt you here. Go on. So you 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 don't care about two tools. You just want to see if the guy's toolbox is organized. Uh, no, that's that would be one of my big ones. Like if I was looking for something, organization. Um, man, I I I definitely agree with the electrical drawer. You know, I want to see spoons and all kinds of stuff in there. Meter, yes, no, because there's different types. I'm a flute guy. Yeah. I always have been. But, like, even that, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you, that's too exp-, You know, the flute's too expensive. I literally have the little little guy. I forget what number it is. Because I, I went from a 233A, which the te- detachable face. That thing oh, yeah, took, yeah. took a shit on me. So I'm like, I'm not buying another one. So I but went like on, the one. What? The little 110. I forget what it is. It's just a little guy. I mean, it's probably only oh, three and a half, four inches tall. It's a fluke yeah. meter. I, I could go Google it if I really wanted to, but um, I've had that thing forever, and I paid 60 bucks for it, and it's great. It's perfect yeah. for what I need it to do. Um, yeah. So if somebody's, you know, like, oh, I need a good meter, there you go, $60 fluke. It will do you good. Yeah. The biggest thing I think is like knowing how to test your meter and make sure it's reading accurately. Mm -hmm. Like that's a big thing. Um, you know, I've had an intern that you tell him to go check voltage on a taillight and he's like, what do you mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> and so you're just kind of like, like you're in the middle of something. You're like, oh, check this for me, you know. And then he just goes, what do you mean? And you kind of give him that whole dog tilted head look, like, what do you mean? What do I mean? <laughs> um, but everybody's gonna start somewhere, you know. I probably did the same thing when I started out. And, they were probably looking at me like I was a moron. Well, so. li- listen to this. I've been doing it 17 years, and there's certain like tests I go through, and I'm like sitting there reading my ohm meter. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Go back. How many ohms is this? You know, like I, I lose, yeah. I lose it. Oh uh, yeah, and like that's the like one aspect coming from the truck side of things, and then moving into equipment. Is equipment is it's complex. Don't get me wrong. Like it has its complexities, but the electrical system, especially on the older stuff was super simple. Like you had your relays and everything like that. And then you started getting into your controllers, but they were still simple controllers, you know, coming from Freightliner, they, they like to over-engineer their electrical systems. Like what? No, (laughs) no. Like I think the, when I when I was when I left Freightliner, the new version of Cascadia was out, and I think it had twenty six computers. And didn't the motherfuckers put like plastic hose clamps on all their heater hoses and shit? So you can, so Freightliner is a custom truck builder. That's like what they're gonna die on. That's a decision that the customer that ordered the truck can make whether they want the heat shrink hose clamps or they want regular hose clamps kid you not and so a lot of fleets have decided to go to that because they're supposed to never leak because their heat shrunk as small as they possibly can go but what happens when you blow the fucking hose and you got to get it off on the side of the road you get one of the uh butane soldering irons and you just run it right across it with it hot it splits it right no, now no, i'm just cut. i'm just saying like these truck drivers <laughs> that aren't going to hire somebody and they got to get that hose oh off, yeah you know yeah no i those guys are sol i guess i don't know yeah. i think they're dumb <laughs> i do i think we should change it up a little bit we've been talking tools for like a half hour <laughs> oh okay <laughs> no it's okay um <laughs> I don't know if you want to dive into some of the stuff you've got or, you know, um, you've got quite a few questions for me on here. Um, There's one that I think is great that you've got. uh, uh, Why do you think companies allow toxic employees to, and then you didn't finish it, to stay? Hmm. (laughs) Is it to stay? That's my ADD. Like that is one hundred percent my ADD. (laughs) I'm I'm assuming it's why do they allow them to stay, or something of that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Basically, yeah. That's what I was like. Why do you think dealerships specifically? Because in my experience, that's where most of it happens at. Um. Why do you think they allow it? Allow it right now. Because everybody's short-handed. Right now, it's because if they're producing, if they're efficient enough and profitable enough, then they're not going to mess with them. Mm -mm. But it goes back to that one guy can ruin a whole shop. Yeah. And he can, a lot of people will quit, you know, like, well, this motherfucker ain't working as hard as us or shows up late all the time and he's making just as much money as us and he's just getting maybe a slap on the hand. But yeah, we're getting yelled at over here in the field, you know, for 
bullshit. Trust well, me, I've been there. Well, then the, the other the other aspect of it is like, so you guys are chasing comebacks from shop guys, mm-hmm. and so you guys are already in a a different mindset because you're like, well, this guy didn't handle his shit, and so now I got to go out here in 110 degree heat and hopefully get it figured out quick so the customer isn't just stewing and brewing the whole time. And so I don't, I don't understand. And I'm not saying you got to get rid of a guy. I, I just think you need to have a sit down conversation and be like, yo, what's going on? Why, why is you, do you got stuff at home bothering you? Do you need to take a few days? You know, like I think we need to connect our employers should be connected with employees a little bit more. What about and figuring that? What about toxic employees that have really good numbers, really good efficiency, all that stuff? They're definitely not going to touch them. Well, no, they're not. And it doesn't matter. And the other side is they get coddled. Yeah. The, the technicians with really good numbers, even though they're a toxic employee, get coddled. Mm-hmm. And they get, they get catered to. And so what message does that send your, your other guys? Well, I can I can be a piece of shit to everybody else as long as my numbers are good. Do you ever uh, get like imposter syndrome like that? And like, well, am I toxic like this motherfucker? And I just don't realize it. Maybe he doesn't realize it. Like, I think about I that shit all the time. Yeah, dude. yeah. I I think any person that has the ability to have self reflection about anything gets imposter syndrome. I really do. Like my first six months at at the deer deer, I felt like I didn't know what was <laughs> up and what was down. Like it was just, like it was just this whole different world that I wasn't used to because the dealership I came to came from prior. I basically got to do whatever I wanted. Like there was no standard operating procedure. They were a brand new sh- dealership. I was one of I think we had six guys. And I was the most advanced on the emissions system side of stuff because I came from trucks. And we had a bunch of emissions problems on the talks. And so it was like I was getting phone calls from field guys. I was getting guys in the shop like, hey, we need to figure this out. We need to figure that out. And so I just kind of figured out, you know, with working with. Uh Uh-oh, I lost this guy. Pause. So we're back and he's frozen again. What the fuck? (laughs) So after all these technical difficulties, we finally reconnected and he was just explaining how much uh, of a badass he was and everybody was calling him. Do you remember where you left off? Because I sure in the fuck don't. So, yeah, not a badass, just the unlucky fellow, I guess. (laughs) Um, I, you figure out tips and tricks after, you know, going to the classroom on stuff, you know, you get those repairs that you've never seen before and you just get to add that to your, your, your memory bank and everything. And so it was just one of those things, uh, learning a new piece of equipment, just paying attention to those repeat. Oh, well, this one did this. Is this similar to that? And just being able to go back and forth. 
like uh, I keep notes on different types of machines that I would see a failure with, and so then I'd be able to be like, oh wait, I had one do the exact same thing, and then I go back to my notes and figure out what what fixed it. Um, I do the same shit. I've got three notebooks in my truck. Yeah, and you know, I've tried the. I don't know what it is about actually writing it down. Like I've tried the whole type it in my phone in the notepad type deal, but there's just something about actually with a pen and paper and writing it down and having it in a notebook that I don't know. It just does something different in my brain. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, the differences between a company that's been a, a dealership for like 50 years versus a company that's been a dealership for six months those were the two worlds that I came from. So I came from a dealership that had only been a dealership for six months when I started there to a dealership that's been, yeah, like 50 years, hmm. 50 or 55 years, something like that. And so what was nice about that was people were held accountable at the deer dealer where people weren't necessarily held accountable at the talk dealer. Hmm. So... You know, that, that's one thing that if I'm going to mess something up and I, I, I'm not perfect, I'm going to mess up all the time. You know, it's just part of doing this. You're going to make mistakes, but as long as you learn from them, you got to own up to them though. And that was the thing is going back to that toxic mentality is there's a group of people in this industry that will never own up to the things that they do. And they take you know, too long to repair a machine or they throw a controller at it that's, you know, four grand for a controller and it never needed it. And then they're like, oh, well, too bad. You got to pay for it. And it's like, how, how are you, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> do you, do you, <laughs> like, you want to know one of the most toxic things about a dealership like we used to work for, same company? Uh, one of the most toxic type of people or peoples are the buddy buddy systems in these companies. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and I don't know what it is. Like, like I said, I they did everything they ever said they were going to do for me, and if I didn't, I'd still be working there if I didn't have this opportunity with this new company. Um. Uh, but there is a, dyna- a dynamic in that arena that that guy's been there for 15 years. The other guy's been there for 20 years. They drink beer with each other every night after work. They take care of each other. And they they insulate each other from any damage that could affect that that bonus or anything. There's a, there's a fella that I know at said dealer that has quit, been fired, rehired, and somehow keeps making his way up the fucking ladder. And his throat must be really sore. <laughs> Cause I don't know how he does it. I don't like the goddamn guy, but he, he keeps coming back and somehow he keeps getting all these management positions, but he's all part of that buddy, buddy group. Well, that, okay, weird, weird thing, right? In my mind, I would want to promote 
I want to take my technicians that have had years and years of experience on these machines and move them into that service advisor or that service manager role so that they have a better understanding so that the customer, they, they can, they can have a foot in each world basically. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the best option, right? You have a guy that can explain it to the customer. He can take the information from the technician, digest it, and then be able to provide that information in some, in a form that the customer can understand it. Right. But that company, for some reason, and even other companies, not just this company, it's a big thing. They rather see somebody with a business degree sit in that chair than a technician mm-hmm. or a mechanic, whichever you want to be called, because I'm not here to put you in either category. I, I, um, can't, I can't talk too much shit on that because my wife is one with the the business degree that is a uh, field yeah. service supervisor, but... She's experienced in the equipment and stuff, you know, as far as growing up around it and in the industry for a long time. So I agree and disagree because some people could have some knowledge, you know, um, and I'm not not saying, how dare you? Fuck you. <laughs> no, I don't care. People can have their own opinions and thoughts on it all. But Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm not. No, no. <laughs> I've had some people that were technicians and that or service managers and they should have never made it past being a technician. Yeah. Like I'm not here to say that's the end all be all, but we have an industry that's aging out. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have all these people with all these years of experience that are aging out and physically not able to do the work anymore, but we have nowhere to put them. And so we're losing the knowledge because they're retiring and they're moving on to other jobs that are less physically demanding and so we're losing all this knowledge and the next generation i'm here because i had old guys take pity on me and show me the way you know like i went to tech school yeah but you don't learn anything until you're actually in that shop hands on and so i don't understand like having a way to keep that knowledge in house you would i would i just feel like companies need to put an emphasis on that whether it's a dealer or a fleet figuring out a way to have that guy have that brain so when you get into a situation where you need that experience you have it and you don't have some young guy stuck banging his head against the wall trying to figure it out when Joe Blow that retired two months ago could have had it figured out in five minutes. And don't get me wrong, you probably call that guy up on the phone and he'll be happy as hell to help you out because he's I'm glad you called me. I'm bored as hell. <laughs> yeah, you know, so but I think there's a way that we can keep that knowledge in the industry and we just gotta figure out a way to do it. And not everybody is cut out to be a service manager or a service advisor. They just don't have the people skills. Mm-hmm. But maybe, you but know, that's where you I, move them into it. That's where I think like shop technician, or I'm sorry, field technicians would make better managers because they have more people skills like dealing with customers all the time. So I yeah, think, no, I, I, but I, I agree. When are you They're gonna, always going to, I, I don't I just, like even... Like DTAC, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have guys that move into DTAC. But every time I heard anything about DTAC, 
it was a pay cut from a technician standpoint to move into DTAC. And it's like, if the guy's a knowledge resource for all your technicians, why is he taking a pay cut? Because he's gonna, he's only getting the phone calls from the guys that can't figure things out, that are stumped. They got this complicated issue. Why is that guy taking a pay cut? Yeah, but half of these guys now, you know, they're just reading from old, old. Uh, yeah. So why am I brain farting? Jesus Christ! Old solutions. They don't actually know the knowledge or have the knowledge. I can't talk tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, they're just straight up reading like, oh, well, here's a solution that looks like it's the same or close to the problem. Try this. It's like, well, I already did that. I put that in my notes. Don't yeah. get well, me started yeah. on DTAC. I will. Uh, mm, mm. It's so coming from trucks, Freightliner, right? Dealing with their version of DTAC was just as frustrating. Don't get me wrong. It took like a day and a half to get a response sometimes. But then you also had the ability to call in on top of that. So like you could submit a case remotely through email and then you could call in and you could pester them. And then you get moved into the phone queue and you'd get somebody that day. That was the one thing that drove me insane about sending in a DTAC case is it was all remote. Like you couldn't call anybody you couldn't get clarification. Like you yeah. were at the whim of them. I miss the days when you fill out a DTAC solution or a case, not a CCMS case. It was like, you know, you fill out all your stuff, tech urgent and field or urgent tech and field 10 minutes later, Waterloo, you know, yeah. number pops up and it's like, Oh shit, that was quick. You know, nowadays, that could be different. I've been gone for three years, but from what I yeah. hear, it's not different. I got, I got told to never put urgent tech in shop. So I was a shop guy. I got told never to do that, that yeah. they would get pissed off and you wouldn't get any answers. Fuck them. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I, I mean, I, the deer stuff was cool. Severely overcomplicated sometimes, mm-hmm. but it was cool. Um, I had a, the, yeah, one of my last jobs before I left, I had a 844 production class loader. It kept throwing like a D-rate fault for this, the orbital steering valve. Weird. It doesn't have a steering wheel. <laughs> That's a dealer installed option. And so we thought it was a software issue. So we submitted a DTAC case, me and shop lead tech. He's helped me to work through it. And I've checked every wire on the machine, owned it out. You know, voltages are good. Everything's right where it's supposed to be. We're convinced that it's a payload issue, that somebody downloaded and installed a payload. So it's looking for a steering valve that it doesn't have. Can I guess what it is? Yeah. Was the function enabled in this monitor for steering? No. No. Check that. That was that was all right. Okay. Everything was right. I go through DTAC cases and I find a solution that talks about how the ground for that circuit goes all the way back to the engine. Hmm. At the front underneath the cab on the front is where that circuit's at. And so it goes like 11 feet to ground 
And the solution was that DTAC came up with is you pulled the X, I think it's the X59 connector apart, and you pulled the two ground wires out, and you grounded directly to cab. But I had probably two days back and forth with DTAC trying to figure that out. And basically, the guy told me that I was an idiot the entire time. And then finally, when I found that solution on my own and I linked it in my DTAC case, he apologized. So how do you explain all that time to a customer? Well, I'm sorry, man. Exactly. I was sitting on my fucking ass waiting for these guys to respond. How do you explain yeah. that? Well, you can't. And that's the other thing is like, so you have that overhead cost in a dealership where you get those difficult, hard to hard to troubleshoot situations. And then you throw on top of that, like your DTAC case gets stonewalled by somebody 3000 miles away from you and you're, you're just kind of like, okay. And so then you're, you got to step back and take it back to basics. Right. But at the same time at $180 an hour, how do you, how do you justify that? You don't. Somebody's going to have to eat some time. Yeah. I'm not paying this much for a wire. (laughs) <laughs> and who's the person that gets affected most by that eight time? Your ego. Well, I'm your ego is probably a little dented, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, when obviously it comes you. bonus time. Yeah. What a great way to segue <laughs> into the next topic. You're amazing. Yeah. So, so bonuses. Yes. Let's talk right? about your bonuses. Efficiency bonuses. Why? Why? Okay. Here's, I already do you know where you think an efficiency bonus is is a good thing? Um. So, <laughs> do you really want to know my? So we're going to talk about one dealer in per in, in this right same dealer that you and I both worked for. One of their yep. big things was their efficiency bonuses every quarter. Um. <sighs> I'm trying to be nice about this, but when I quit, basically they were like, are you sure you're going to miss out on all these bonus opportunities? I'm like, motherfucker, I've got usually 115 or higher percentage efficiency. And the guy that's got 85 in the shop or in the field, you know, that's barely making it by is making the same amount as me because you guys split it evenly. So why do I give a fuck about $600? Yeah. That's going to be taxed, right? Yeah, exactly. 30%. Yeah. So like But that's six, sorry, $600 wrong, was after the taxes. Yeah. But, yeah. So it was like what like it was 1000 bucks. Yeah, 1100, you know, somewhere Yeah, there. I think I think it was the same for me. I I don't remember. I think I had I know they, they factor it based off technician level and then efficiency and then job sold or something like that. Like it's this whole thing, right? So you got a guy that does PDIs every day, your setup technician. Mm-hmm. But he's not paid as a setup technician. He's paid as a tech one, right? 
So he's making tech one pay. All he does is PDIs. And then you got and then you got the guy that gets every you know ragged out piece of equipment. You know, pulling two, three tracks in the shop and shit. Yep. Rusted out everything. He's never making his efficiency, or he's making the the lowest efficiency bonus he could, right? Because of the type of equipment he's on. But the guy that's getting all the PDIs and all the setups is making the highest efficiency he could for his tech class, right? And those two could be two different levels. You could have a tech three and a tech one, you know, and your bonuses are going to be different. I will say this. Out of all the bonuses programs I have been a part of, the deer dealer was the best one. Hmm. Not saying that it's the greatest one, but it was the best one. None of them are fair. It, it, I, I don't, excuse me, I don't personally like it because I think it puts too much focus on efficiency and not doing a quality repair. You get a tech that's, I want to make my bonus. I want to get that big bonus. I want to do this. And, and being quarterly versus monthly, because I've had it where it was monthly, the monthly bonus, it was more of an issue. Guys gave, you know, I got to get this job out. I got to get it done. And mistakes were made and comebacks happened and improper repairs were made because they were trying to hit that highest bonus because they were trying to be efficient. And so they were skipping stuff and cutting corners. So on that aspect, I don't agree with it. I think it's horrible. And so like when I was when I was in the truck shop, the bonus program was whatever to me. And they always use it as like, why don't you care about the bonus? You should really care about the bonus. And I'm like, because I didn't set my lifestyle up as if I depended on a bonus. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I, I got, so I don't. I, this I know. money doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Like if I get it, great. I I I love money. Like it makes thing. It makes the world go around. Yeah. It allows us to buy things and provide for our families and all of this. It's not. I don't like money. It's just I want to do the best job that I possibly can in my skill set. And if I make a bonus, guess what? It's a bonus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'd rather. Like that, they always used to say the same thing to me. Like, you know, why why aren't you worried about this bonus? I'm like, trust me, I love getting extra money a month, but I'd rather have a raise, you know, or something of that matter. I yeah, I, it just wasn't a big deal to me. I could care less about it, and they try to make that a huge selling point when I was quitting. And I'm like, honestly, it ain't worth it for me. I don't give a shit. I'd rather take this huge raise that I'm leaving for, and make that money. Cause it's continuous. Yeah, no, I, that, that's what blew me away is right. So, so last year they made too much money, right? So they gave everybody an additional bonus mm-hmm. so they didn't have to pay taxes. But you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but why didn't, if we made so much money, why aren't we giving out raises? Mm-hmm. If we're having record-breaking sales and record-breaking profits, why aren't we giving out raises? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'd never I, – I don't know. I'm I just, sure there's I, a lot of people like said, that are going to listen to this and be like, you guys are crazy. It's money, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like <laughs> – but you don't realize the shit that you have to go through for this extra little bit of money. 
Yeah. It, and like I said, I'm not trying to talk shit on that company. I really am not. Yeah, no. They did everything that they ever promised me. But there's certain aspects of that operation that I didn't really agree with. And that happened to be one of them. No, trust me, that that company is a phenomenal company, but it depends on the location that you work at and the people that manage it. Um, I've met the owner himself. I'm sure you have too. Super, super great guy. Sat and bullshit with him. That whole, they're like, and they they try. They Mm -hmm. really do. Yeah, they do. Like he'll sit there and actually, you know, I'm not better than you. He'll he'll sit there and actually have a conversation with you. Unlike some of the fucking huge managers. I'm yes. not going to say no, no. names. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Yeah. We're getting <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting a little worked up here. No, uh you've got a, a couple a couple things you want to talk about um like after leaving the dealership, you know, I don't know if you can see that. Are you do you have a question? Yeah, so yeah. Would you go back? You, funny you 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 ask that. Uh, I was actually talking to. She was my boss when I worked there. She moved up while I worked there. I see her all the time when I pick up parts. And uh, the other day, I was like, I really miss this place. And like I told her, I said, you know, if I had to fall back on it, and they were they would let me come back, you know, in a pinch, I totally would. I said, but I don't want that fallback. I want to be able to do improve, you know, but like I said, definitely in a fallback if I had to a great company, but I would want yeah, to see no, some changes. Like, you I, know. like I said, I'd, I'd still be working for this company if I didn't lock into my yeah. position I have now. You've got a great, I mean, great deal going on. Yeah. I, uh, it's, uh, I myself would want to see some changes, especially in like, the management positions, maybe a um, few different yeah. positions. I, I, the, you guys were like your own little world down there. Mm-hmm. Like you guys operated separate from. Gosh, dang it. You froze again. I am pausing once more and we're back again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Technical difficulties again. Take it away, <laughs> sir. All right. So you guys were your own region from my understanding. Yeah. So like your management was completely different from my management. And so back to when we talked originally about if I should go to this company or whatever, it was everything's dependent on the management, right? And so I had really good management that hired me in. Those guys did it like they did everything on my offer to make me not go work for cat because I accepted a position to go work at the cat dealer and a little bit better flexibility was a big thing. The cat dealer isn't as flexible, even though they say they are, they're really not. Um, and so I, I, went to the deer dealer um i you know you when you work for that company you interact with different technicians mechanics from different parts of the country that also work for that and so 
being able to understand the dynamic of the company and how the management is, whether you're going to enjoy your time there or not, is a big thing. And so for me, I, I could probably see myself going back. If you needed to. If I needed to. Yeah. Like it was, I, if I had to, like I had no other options, I would have no problem walking back in the door. And they told me when I left that I was welcome back. Like they <laughs> understood me. while I was leaving. Not me. Like, <laughs> um, but I, I, like I said, they've never done me wrong. And if I had to, I would fall back on it. Yeah. I'd even go back to working at a Freightliner dealership if I needed to. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to say it going in demand like, oh, I'll come back if you fire this person or this person. It's like, I just have a problem yeah. with management. Uh, or I could just go in and say, you know, um, I, I wouldn't mind coming back if you left me the hell alone and just let me do my thing instead of calling all these meetings and these open book meetings. I don't know if they're the only people that do open books. Anyway, uh, just leave me alone. Like I'm a resident, let me do my thing and, uh, I'll handle business. I've never worked for a company that did the open book meeting. Oh, so everybody's going to know, everybody's going to know what we're talking about. Oh, well, good enough. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was weird. No, I, I enjoyed it, especially the free breakfast. Um, well, it's, it's weird for me because I, I, so I look at it from like if it was my business, like not my business, like why would you, <laughs> I don't know how to like, I've, uh, uh, talking about making like money when you're wasting money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't, Hey, we're doing, we're not doing where we need to be. But then they show you the number, and it's like completely blown the projected number out. Yeah. So are we just not projecting correctly, <laughs> or what? Like, what's the deal? And so it just—I think it opened up more guys going, "Hey, you should give me more money." That might not necessarily deserve more money. Parts department, you're making like two point two million over than you did last year. Why aren't your parts guys making more money than? $17 an hour, you know, it's yeah. crazy. They're it's so parts department I, is making all kinds of money and their guys make shit fucking pay. And they got to know a bunch of stuff. Yeah. 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 Like I, I need to find a, a good parts guy. I need to get a parts guy on here, man. I I've got a buddy. He's a good friend of mine. And he's just like, no, nah, I can't, I can't talk too much shit. I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> so I need to find me a good parts guy that we can talk about this stuff. Or a parts manager. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. Um, I'm trying to think if I know somebody that would do it. Uh, we can talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I just, I don't, but like then you got your yard guys. Like all those non-revenue generating employees. Why aren't we taking better care of them? Mm -hmm. Because those are the guys that support the revenue generating employees that was my biggest hang-up is i'm judged on my efficiency well i i need a hose made and i'm not allowed to make hoses it's got to be done by the parts people mm 
You go up there, you wait 45 minutes for one hose. And then they're like, well, why'd that job take oh, an hour and a half longer than it should have? Well, one, it's, uh, you know, 1994 loader and everything seized. And then I had to wait 45 minutes for somebody to make me a hose. And so nothing against that guy making a hose. He might be doing the best he possibly can. Yeah. Or he doesn't realize that he's affecting my efficiency. Or he doesn't give he's a just shit. <laughs> unaware. Or he yeah. does not give a shit. Yep. But at the end of the day, and I brought that up in, you know, your your one on ones, your 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 what was it called? Yeah, never mind, it doesn't matter. Yes. So <laughs> it's just it just is a weird the whole industry as far as let's share numbers and then then they want to hold the pocketbook close and then you're like well then why did you tell us that we're doing so great (laughs) (laughs) i love that dude it's great i love it because i completely agree (laughs) so i i I want everybody to win you know like i want the i want I want to win. I want the company to win. I want the customer to get the service and product that they want. Like I want it to be in. So I understand when you have a, a business that that is that size, it takes a considerable amount of income to make it run. So I understand that there might not always be a budget for raises or new tooling, right? Hey, all our tooling is starting to wear out. We need more tooling. And then you get told, well, we don't really, you know, and so. Well, yeah, well, that's that, a whole, those, that's a whole nother thing. Tooling, trucks, software, yeah. everything. That's a whole nother fucking podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. But those little things, those little tiny daily, like frustrations from tooling or this or that will turn a guy toxic. Yeah. And so I just, I don't know how to fix it. I just, you got to figure things out. Dad. (laughs) Hold on. You're good. So uh, I paused it. Uh, He was getting yelled at by his real boss. How old is she? Yep. She's five. Oh, five. She just turned five in September. Yep. Definitely uh, your boss. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i got two bosses yeah. you know, the wife and then her <laughs> <laughs> so i i think we're getting kind of close to the end here we're already you know quite a bit of time in and i gotta go help the wife out with the kid because every once in a while i can hear him yelling at her so um anything else you want to cover yeah so you started an automotive you were in a shop space mm-hmm. do you feel like that environment the issues that you had in that environment or what pushed you into a field truck? No, I wouldn't necessarily say so. Um, I actually really enjoyed working at that shop that I worked at for six years. I think it was, um, really enjoyed it. Great job. Great boss. Um, it was just time for a change. So that's why I did it. So I think me rolling into a truck in 2015, it was just that next step and I was ready for it. I didn't know it was a thing. Um, so they basically said here, you know, you're going to go into this mower truck and it was just the next step. And I enjoy it a lot. 
you know, it's a lot of freedom and stuff. And it, it's, it was hard for me when I moved to Texas and went into the, the shop at the deer dealer for the 90 days, which I, I was out way before that. Um, it was hard for me to be in the shop after that. And it wasn't because of toxic or anything. I just hated being stuck in one spot, one bay. You know, I like to be out and about. And I think that's going to be hard for me in the future when I decide to take the next step into management or whatever it is and being stuck in an office. It's going to be tough. But maybe I'll be ready for it. I don't know. I uh, I think the move from service truck to the office, I think if you do it right and you don't sit in your office all day. Like yeah. we had, I've had service managers that would come out, you know, every couple hours and talk to each of their technicians to get updates, you know, and they're like, Hey, is there something else that we need to let the customer know about? Or is there something that we need to do while we have this tore down or, you know, at being proactive in their management style, not necessarily like hovering or like, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know, but they were like trying to approach it as, Hey, I'm trying to support you by coming out here instead of you having to walk all the way up or send an email. I'm being proactive and trying to support my technicians on my team. And I think, I think that's important for somebody that moves out of a truck or even somebody that moves out of the shop into a management role is to not, you know, just, stay in the office sitting in that chair yeah i agree but then you get the technicians it's always like why is he always out here bugging us why is he always breathing down my neck (laughs) oh yeah but is that because that guy is dicking around guilty conscience yeah (laughs) like you know i i understand both sides of the argument i just i don't know i just sometimes people get a little bit out of shape (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I uh, I ain't got much to say on that. To be honest with you, I I moved out of the truck and, or I'm sorry, I moved out of the shop into a truck and it just kind of it happened and that's the way I like it now. And you never know, I might be ready in the future and be like, this is the best thing I ever did was get out of a truck. So, guess yeah. we'll see. Maybe I'll have this podcast still when that happens and I can explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh. I don't know. Like, I think so in 10 years, are you going to be out of the truck? Fuck. I don't know. I could, uh, be three years down the road and uh, something different and not like what I'm doing and maybe have my own truck. Yeah. You know, I, I can't, I couldn't tell you how the future is. Um, as far as like the industry though, in 10 years, I, I see a lot of big fucking changes and it's kind of scary, you know, especially expense wise. Yeah. Um, uh, after con expo this year, seeing all the new shiny iRobot crap that they're pushing. Um, <laughs> I think it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I think technologically advancing and doing pushing the boundaries of what things can do. I think that's cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think there's a space for it in every industry. I think 
I think it's going to present some challenges. Some people that struggle with, you know, electrical are going to be pushed to the wayside. Um, I, cause you, if we go complete autonomous, right? Like Devlon at Con Expo had a dozer and an excavator that didn't even have an operator station on it. Which it was is completely fine. autonomous. You don't have to hear him bitch. This thing's a piece of <laughs> shit. Because we're always going to have jobs, man. We're going to have to repair, oh. repair the shit. Oh, somebody's got somebody's to fill the fuel tank. Somebody's got to grease it. Somebody's got to maintain it. Like A mechanic's always going to have something to fix. It's not going to affect us. What's, what's going to affect us is the different, you know, Technology. how many modules we're going to have. Yeah. What what type of CAN network is, what what's a CAN network going to look like in 10 years? Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, so that stuff, and I think that's what I'll miss about being at a dealership versus a fleet is having access to that new technology, the information the newest, best, mostest, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. But uh, I, I think it'll be. I, th- I can understand from an operator standpoint why there's going to be some pushback because we're eliminating your job and we're, we're not eliminating it. We're taking you out of the seat and putting you in a cubicle. But which makes no sense. It just yeah. Uh, I think special use cases like where it's not it's not a good situation to have a human life excuse me uh, threatened because of the environment that the machine's in I think it's it's fine I think it's a great to have that option but do you think these you know guys that are you know four or five machine, they own four or five machines. They're a small excavation company. Do you see them being able to foot the bill for that? Like that type of equipment? Mm-hmm. It's just the costs are going to go through the roof. And then what do you, what do, you do? You know, you're saving costs because you got one guy that can run all your machines on your job site. And so you, you, you have a reduction in staff. But at the same time... Yeah. How's that fair to the, the staff that you do you really want to be the guy that has to lay somebody off? Yeah. And I just wonder how how much more expensive it's gonna to be to repair the stuff, you know, that's all automated. Is the stuff gonna be more expensive to repair? Is it gonna take some special guy to come out and fucking fix it because, you know, the deal or the private owner yeah. technician can't fucking figure it out. I don't know. So when I was in North Carolina at the Freightliner dealership there, um, they had these hybrid trucks that the city bought. And so it had this Eaton hybrid drivetrain, right? So the transmission and it charged a battery pack and it had a drive motor in the transmission. And so it could run off the engine or it could run off the eaten so it was whatever. just a giant we previous. had one guy we had one guy that could work on it hmm. and like i think we had six trucks that had that system on it but we had one guy in our entire dealer group that had gone to school for that 
So is it going to be one of those type situations where each dealer only has, you know, one guy specialized? Okay, you're getting capstoned in this. You're getting capstoned in that. And so is it going to specialize our industry? Whereas right now, I feel like no, like there's some guys that specialize in stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you go into any heavy equipment shop and everybody's doing everything. You know, I I did setups, I did PDIs, I did you know oil leaks and hoses and you know electrical and after treatment. It didn't know what you were going to get that day, just what was available to work on. Yep. So I don't I don't see how a guy could survive if the work isn't there. You have to fucking pull his head off his ass and work on whatever else is there. I guess. Yeah. Well, if we do end up specializing, does the industry move towards flat rate? Possibly. I don't know. I, I don't see how, because I'm pretty sure who we used to work for, they used to do like a flat rate before it was that company. It was a different company. They used to do like a flat rate type thing and it wasn't working out. So I don't think it's possible because, I mean, we've talked about it on here before, you know, you, you get a job that's supposed to be two hours and you break a bolt off or something and that takes you an hour to get it extracted, you know. I I don't think heavy equipment can be a flat rate thing unless it's, you know, tire swaps or, you know, changing tracks on a, a skid steer, anything like that. That's That's possible. But when you're talking about pulling an exhaust manifold and stuff, it, 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 I don't think it, it's yeah. possible. I don't know. I So, like, I've never actually worked flat rate. The closest thing I got to it was I made an hourly, plus I got a percentage of the labor mm-hmm. per job. Um, and that was fine. I had no problem with that. You know, I mean, like nine ten bucks an hour and depending on the job i got anywhere from six to 23 percent of the labor and i could average you know 26 to 32 dollars an hour on a on a day and so that was never a problem but i uh, the dealer i left in missouri switched all their technicians to flat rate and I had a bunch of guys call me when they told everybody at that dealership that they were going flat rate. They're like, Hey, you guys have any space over there? I want to switch over. I want to get out of this. I don't want to be on flat rate. And I mean, they gave everybody $10. I think it was like 10 more dollars an hour flat rate. And I think for the first year they gave them a 40 hour guarantee because it went from a straight hourly shop for the last 30 years to a fly rate shop. And so I, I think it worked out for a lot of them. A lot of them on the heavy truck side were made, ended up making more money than they were before. Um, but I think it's a different type of budgeting. You know, you're gonna have your slow days, you're gonna have your slow months and you're gonna have to budget your money more. Um, I, Personally, I don't know if I'd ever stick around at flat rate. No. I I like the hey, I worked forty. This is what I make. I know at forty, this is what I budget for. 
there's some security in that. But don't get me wrong, there's guys that on flat rate are making well over six figures. So I I don't I don't know if the heavy equipment side could ever support it. Nope. But I completely agree. But with that being said, I gotta close this thing out. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I got a a baby to go help with. He's not happy today, so uh yeah, we got some good time into this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm a talker i can talk no, it's all good that's what we like this podcast we talk yeah but anyway uh yeah man that's uh that's all i've got uh i definitely would like to have you back on at some point i always say that to a lot of people and we never do a second episode but you know whenever yeah whenever the opportunity arises uh we'll make it happen yeah no i like i said i'm i'm usually free most evenings and I mean, we didn't even get into some other things. We we can do it some other time. It's yes, fine. Sir. <laughs> right on. Well, I appreciate you coming on. You know, taking this time out of your day and hanging out and bullshitting. Yeah. No, it was a pleasure. I'm glad I got to do it. Yep. A lot of people are like, "When's this gonna happen? I'm ready to come on." It's like, calm down. There's a lot of people already. Um. Yeah, I think that's it, man. I, well, uh, I, yeah, you're the only guy doing it. Like, let's be honest. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I th- Okay, so like, spoiler, I thought about doing it. <laughs> I just don't have the time. Yeah. I don't know how you have the time. I don't. So, I mean, like, and my other side of it is like, there's so many good podcasts out there. Like, that's my current problem is like, I got dirty and driven. I listen to this. I got sweat and grime. You know, I got all, all these podcasts. And I don't have enough time, and so I don't know. It's, yeah, uh, it, it, it's easy. I like I said in the last episode at the beginning, I kind of bitched about being burned out about doing it. I love this podcast. I love doing it. I love talking to the people, making new friends. But it's tough, especially right now with this new baby. Man, he's he's taking up my sleep and. Uh, I, I'm sure it'll get better. It'll get better. Uh, yeah. But right now it's it's just tough, and I hate doing it sometimes. But I've already got people lined up for the next few weeks, and it's going to happen. I got some good good guests lined up. So um, yeah, no, I think I, it's it's gotten better with every episode that I've ever listened to. So I can only imagine because this voice right <laughs> here. Uh, it, it's it's I'll, I will say one thing. This. It is amazing how much this podcast has blown up in like the past three months, three or four months. Uh, I have a buddy in back home where I'm from. He has a podcast. I, I've talked about it on here a few times. I've promoted it on my, uh, it's called the Mikey Podcast. And he was actually a radio, he was on the radio for like 12 years, ended up getting fired because of his podcast because he talks about politics and stuff. And Apparently the yeah. owner the owner of the the radio station's really good friends with Gavin the Goof Newsom. Um so he ended up getting fired over it. So he's trying to grow this podcast but he's been doing it for like 4 years and I'm like, "Oh man, he's got to have all these downloads cuz it's such a good podcast." And he hit his 200th episode the other day and he's like, "Oh, I'm just shy of 200,000 downloads." And I'm like sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, "He's got to have way more than that because I'm not even two years into this, and I'm almost at 170,000 downloads. So Insane. When it, 
Does it only count downloads or does it count streams? It's as, basically as it's basically just counting every time somebody listens, but it's counting all the way around the world. I can see where my u- unique listeners are from, which is unique is another country. Um, so okay. technically, yeah, I've got about 172,000 downloads right now. And that's freaking crazy. No, it's, that's mind-boggling. <laughs> like, that's a lot of... Like, did you ever w- th- wake up one day and go, you know, I'm going to have 170,000 people listen to me. At no, I mean, I remember <laughs> the first episode with my buddy Trent. I think it was episode two because I did a trailer and getting 74 downloads in like the first day. I was like, oh, this is insane. You know, and then we hit a thousand. Yeah. We hit a thousand in a few months. I was just like, holy crap, you know. And now look at it. We're almost to 200,000 downloads. This thing's growing like crazy. And I hope it keeps growing. No, but, yeah. I, I think it's cool. I think it brings a lot of people's eyes on an industry that doesn't really get a whole lot of attention. And I'm sure I don't talk about everything that everybody wants to hear about or talk to the person that everybody wants to hear from. But it takes time, you know. I'm sure that person that somebody wants to hear from or hear about will be on, you know, I just, I only do this one, one week at a time. So yeah, just, oh, I gotta yeah. have, you only got somewhere. I gotta have people have patience for this. Um, but I'm going to keep doing it because like I said, it's growing and I, it's all thanks to everybody that listens, you know, I did, I did. I'm sure you saw it. I got my first one star review and I'm proud of oh, it. Oh, I did. I did. I think James James Davini claimed that one. Yeah, he's lying though. He didn't do it. <laughs> I, uh, I I still want to know who did it, but I mean, I'm sure they they. Oh man, I got him good. You know, fuck this guy. I think it's great. It's hilarious to me. Oh yeah, I mean, if you don't have at least one hater, you're not doing it right. Well, I remember back when I started this podcast, I had you know I was getting into it, and I had Keldon Stapley on, and some guy meant to message him but he messaged me and said i'm terrible at this it's a stupid podcast all this stuff i'm like you're an idiot you messaged me stupid um haters thank you for making me do better (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's funny i i don't know sometimes you wonder people don't get punched in the mouth enough they're just mad because they didn't think of it first i mean all, all power to you if you can do the same thing i'm doing and do better than me have at it oh well, here's the thing. It's it doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna do better than you. It's just not gonna be the same product that you're making. Yeah, it, um, I, I could start a podcast tomorrow and do it completely different than you do it. Yep. And we can talk about the same things. It's just I don't know. People get wound up over the simplest, nonsensical, doesn't matter BS, and then they just want to be rude. No, I. <laughs> if somebody wants to start it up, I'm gonna try to help them build it you know i'm not about that fuck this guy stealing my ideas you know uh, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll help him try to build it if he comes to me and says hey i want to start a podcast like this can you help me like what do i need what a blah 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 well here's yeah. what i got here's what you're gonna need to do so do it um anyway i gotta stop talking <laughs> yep stay here all right we're done we'll catch you later man thanks for coming on yeah not a problem